I found very few people in church groups over the past 40 years who really want to speak of God. They want to tell what they've done or what their friends have done, what their pastor did, what they're doing at their church, but not what God is doing in their own lives. Very few people want to tell this. When I lived in Lubbock, Texas, I played bridge, duplicate bridge, and we had a bridge center. We had quite a few people at the bridge center, a hundred or more, who would attend, not all on the same day usually. But you got to know these people pretty well. Hardly ever did I meet anyone at the bridge center that didn't tell you about their church group. Church of Christ, Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Catholics. They love to tell about their churches. But I never heard anyone at the Bridge Center in all the time that I was there, I never heard anyone say, God did something in my life I would like to share with you. Not one person ever said that. One Methodist woman came in one morning, and she was just beaming. She had, it was a Sunday, and she said, oh, I, had, I took communion today. I just stared at her. I was playing as a partner that day with one of the men at the Bridge Center. We got to her table, and it was just terribly shocking. She began talking about the color of her underwear. I was extremely embarrassed. This is the woman who said she took communion that day, meaning she took crackers and grape juice that day. It availed her nothing, because crackers and grape juice are not the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is eating and drinking the Word of God and applying it to your life. Crackers and grape juice are just things made up by men through the ages, and other men copied them has no power whatsoever. There was another woman at the Bridge Center who was Church of Christ, had been all her life, even raised on the campus of Church of Christ College in Abilene, which was then called ACC. Her father was a professor at that college. She loved to tell that she was a Church of Christ member. I took my cousin who was visiting from out of town. I took her over to the Bridge Center, and she, her husband uh, and I were in the kitchen at the Bridge Center probably eating. And when we left, my cousin pointed to this woman and said, the first thing she told me was she's a Church of Christ member. She always did that. After she died, they found she had been stealing money from the Bridge Center. She had been in charge of taking up the money at the door when you paid. She had been stealing the money. Her children repaid it to the bridge center. These are terrible things. What if they find out about you if you die? What if they found out about me if I die? What are we living like? And yet, all of this talk that we do, 
Do we glorify God or do we glorify ourselves? In our actions, do we glorify God or do we glorify ourselves? Well, if we want to glorify God, then tell what God says. If we want to glorify ourselves, tell what we think. John chapter 16, verse 13, Jesus said, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, of his own ideas, but whatsoever he shall hear from God, that shall he speak. And in verse 14 of John 16, Jesus says, He shall glorify me. The Holy Spirit will glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. He's not speaking of his own ideas. He's not trying to build up his reputation. He's sharing with us that which God says. And that's what we do also when we want to glorify God. We tell of what God's doing, of what God's done, of what God says in the New Testament Bible. Paul told us what he did when he went to the churches to speak at the churches. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul didn't try to find clever stories that he could tell the people. Stories about what was happening in the world or clever things that men did. He wanted to tell what God said and what God did. And also he said, I, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. The crucified Christ. Paul was not going to be talking to you about the tomb of Jesus or going to see the tomb of Jesus or going to see where Jesus lived when he was a baby or going to see where Jesus walked, the street he walked on, or taking them to Gethsemane or anything like that. He wanted to talk about the crucified Christ where the power of God is. And Paul said, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. One of our church members went on a tour to Jerusalem with Marilyn Hickey. And she went to, they took him to the tomb where Jesus had been buried. And they went inside the tomb. And she turned around and she said, other people in the group are touching the walls of the tomb. And she turned around and she said, the Holy Spirit said to her, what are you doing here? He's not here, he's risen. And she thought, well, I didn't have to come thousands of miles to see a tomb 
where there's no power. Paul did not want our faith to stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And he says, And we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The power of God is in what God says to you. My cousin died and I went to the funeral before the funeral we went over to his house and his brother-in-law who is one of the leaders in Church of Christ and the brother-in-law's son who was trying to be a minister were sitting at a table planning J.L.'s funeral and they had all these books out on this table that they were planning J.L.'s funeral I went to the funeral, and I just groaned when Rishi spoke. I just sat there and groaned. It was so horrible. They just took wisdom of men and piled it, wisdom of men upon wisdom of men, instead of speaking by the Spirit of God. The churches are so fleshly. The church people are so fleshly. It's sickening and pitiful. If you want to glorify God, tell what God said. Someone comes up to you and says to you, well, what do you think about homosexuals? Well, tell what God says. Say, well, I, what God says about it is this. Romans chapter 1, verses 26 20, uh, through 28. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. So in the sight of God, according to the Bible, it's vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also, the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. Vile affections is the term God uses for it, for homosexuals and lesbians. So they come to you and they say, well, what do you think about divorce and remarriage? Can a woman remarry after she's been divorced? Well, what you think doesn't matter. What matters is what God thinks. So, you get a Bible and you turn it to what God thinks. If they want to really know the truth about divorce and remarriage, it's in God. It's in the Holy Bible. It's in what God says. You start with Matthew 5.32. Jesus says, But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. 
So what God says in this passage of scripture is, the divorced woman who remarries commits adultery, but her husband who divorced a faithful wife is the cause of her adultery. And the man who marries the the divorced woman commits adultery. Take them to 1 Corinthians 7, 10, 11. Tell what God says. And to the married I command, says Paul, yet not I but the Lord. This is a commandment of the Lord for the New Testament church, is what Paul is saying. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. 1 Corinthians 7.39 The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. She can only marry another person who is of God. If they say, we don't go by the law, then you say, we don't go by the law of Moses and the sacrifice of animals, but we go by the law of God in the New Testament Bible. And this is in the New Testament Bible for the New Testament church. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 39. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will only in the Lord. Mark 10, and this is an overview of marriage as set up by God. And the Pharisees came to Jesus and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Tempting him. And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. With that statement, Jesus is showing these Pharisees the sin, the hardness of the heart of man who strikes out against his wife. Then Jesus says, But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain but one flesh. Do you dissolve one flesh by a piece of divorce paper? You have to think about this. How do you separate from that person? once you've had sexual intercourse with them, for it is sexual intercourse which causes you to be one flesh. And Paul says, even if you have sex with a prostitute, you become one flesh with that prostitute. We'll read that scripture in a moment. They twain shall be one flesh, so then they are no more two people, but one. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And in the house his disciples asked him again of the same matter. And he said unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband 
and be married to another, she committeth adultery. Romans 7, 1 through 3. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth? For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. One time a woman called me. She said she was a minister, and she said she wanted to talk to me about her mother's divorce and remarriage. Instantly, God said to me, do not focus on the circumstances of the divorce and remarriage. Simply study the scriptures. They will show you the truth. Concerning fornication, God's view. 1 Corinthians 6, start at verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. In this scripture, Paul is showing us that at the time of sexual intercourse, the two people become one flesh. Even if you have sex with a prostitute, you become one flesh at the time of sexual intercourse. Sexual sins are different from other sins. Paul says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What do we do about a brother that commits fornication? A brother in Christ, somebody in the church who commits fornication. What do we do about him? Well, most churches will... Forgive him and pray for him and counsel him. That is not what Paul said to do with a brother who commits fornication. 1 Corinthians 5. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you, and such fornication as is not so much named among the Gentiles, that one should have his father's wife. And ye are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among you. Now see, here's a sin also. When they heard about the deed, they were puffed up. Well, I wouldn't do that. This is awful. Rather than mourning, oh God, help us. This is a terrible thing that has happened among us. 
Because the basic thing that God's going to do is take that, so to speak, brother away from you. Verse 3, Paul says, For I verily, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have judged already as though I were present, concerning him that hath so done this deed. Verse 4, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when ye are gathered together, in my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, to deliver such and one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Deliver him to Satan. This is what to do with him. Turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Paul says, Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Verse 11, But now I have written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such, such a one know not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them that are without? In other words, he's saying, we don't judge the world, but we judge the church. He says, do ye not judge them that are within the church? Verse 13, but them that are without, God judges. God judges the world. Paul said you really can't judge the world, otherwise you'd have to go out of the world. But you judge the church. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. That's what Paul says to do with wickedness in the church. If any man is called a brother, is a fornicator, put him away from you. You may not be able to put him out of the church group. You may not have the power. You may have to leave the church group and disassociate with that brother. I had to do that with our Bible teacher at Word of Faith when I attended that church. He was committing fornication. He was a divorced man, had one child, and I heard about his girlfriend. Well, nobody at the church had seen a girlfriend. He had a private life and a public life. We can't do that. We can't do that. We have one life in front of all. We are all members one of another as the church. Therefore, we are accountable to each other as the church. Just like you don't, your little finger becomes injured. Your whole body hurts. It doesn't just hurt your little finger. Sin in the church hurts the entire church. Paul says, put them out of the church. Do not keep company with them and don't eat with them. Don't eat the word of God with them. Don't even try. When I heard about our Bible teacher, I went to him. And I asked him about this girlfriend. And he kind of 
him and hawed and was evasive. And I finally said, are you having sexual intercourse with this woman? And he said, of course. That's how he said it. And I said, oh, I can't have anything else to do with you. You know the Bible as well as I do. I can't come to your Bible class. I can't have anything to do with you. And he said, that's right. He didn't care. I never went around him again. Well, I never went to his class or anything. And I never saw him again. And God brought me out of that church at that same time. Paul also says if they're covetous, or if they're an idolater, or a railer. Now, I think railer means those people that rail out against others in anger, or they're always protesting something, or they're always upset and, and angry over something and telling you about it. If they're a drunkard, you don't keep company with drunkards who call themselves a brother or an extortioner. Now, uh, many of the ministers today are extortioners, trying to wring money out of you at church, trying to make you feel you have to give, using Scripture to get you to give money, to make you feel guilty, to make you feel that you have to give or God will not bless you. Extortioners. Oh, I've run across many extortioners. I receive emails from men all over the world saying they're pastors. They tell me how much they love the blog, how much they love the writing, the books and things. And then they, two or three emails later, they'll say things like, please send me a computer. I need a computer. One of them said, please send me a computer and a camera. Why? Why a camera? And that's what I said. I said, a camera, that doesn't have anything to do with preaching the gospel. If you want a camera, it's just to take pictures of your group so that you can try to get money out of people. Well, I didn't send him a computer. Well, we did. We sent him an old computer. We did send him an old computer. But when we ran into the camera business, I cut off all communication with that man. Then another minister from the Philippines, both these ministers from, were from the Philippines, another minister, he did the same thing, and he asked me to send him a computer, and then he also wanted a projector. Well, I, just, I sent him an email and just said, you are a, I see you as a thief, a beggar, and an extortioner. And you will always be a thief, beggar, and extortioner unless you change your ways and stop begging people for things and go out and earn your own money and pay for your things. They think because they're called a minister, they're supposed to be given all these things. Well, Paul worked for a living. Paul earned his living as a tent maker. He didn't take money for the, from the church for himself. I said, do like Paul did. Earn your money. They didn't do that. They continued as beggars, thieves, extortioners in the church. I don't communicate with either of them. 
If a man is an extortioner and he's called a brother and you see it, come away from him. Put, a, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Don't keep company with him. Don't eat with him. That's what Paul says to do. When Jimmy Swaggart was committing fornication with a prostitute and was caught, he came before the church in a tearful television appearance and said, I have sinned, I have sinned. And people all over were saying, we should pray for Brother Swaggart. And I said, no, we should put him out of the church, according to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5. See, tell what God says, not what you think. Don't go along with the things they say when they are contrary to what the Bible says to do. For they glorify the flesh, and you glorify God if you speak what God says about the matter at hand. There are those who will not go into heaven, though they're called a brother. You may have been taught once saved, always saved. Jesus says, for them who overcome, I will not blot their name out of the book of life. If they overcome, overcome through God, overcome through using the word of God against the temptation and the sin. Concerning those who will not go into heaven, here's God's view. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate homosexuals, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, people who do various sins with the world, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5, verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, trying to outdo each other, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Revelation chapter 3 verse 5, Jesus says, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Revelation 22, Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments. The New Testament Bible, his commandments. Blessed are they that do his commandments. 
that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates unto the cities. What I found in the churches is that they're trying to explain away sin, excuse sin, and say that all sin is covered by the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 25, 26 says that if you sin after you're born again, if you sin after you have been enlightened to the fact that that is a sin, then there's no more sacrifice for your sin. No, it isn't covered by the blood of Jesus after you've already been enlightened and forgiven. When you return to that sin, the Apostle Peter said you're worse off than you would have been if you'd never, ever heard the Word of God. That's in Second Peter chapter 2, verse approximately verse 20, down at the bottom of the chapter. It's the people who do the commandments of God who belong to God. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates unto the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. If you share your opinions, you glorify yourself. Just try to remember... When you start to say, I think, you're just glorifying yourself. But if you share what God says about the subject, you glorify God. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.